When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to another episode of the Ironbrew Podcast in Conversation Series. We've got Brad Mel, Matt Blanchard, Matt Ellis, and uh, we've been looking forward to this one for quite a long time. Uh, we've kept it a secret, but we are very, very pleased to be talking to one half of probably the greatest strike partnership we've seen at Glamford Park. Andy Keogh, how are you doing? How are you doing, gents? Yeah, not bad, Tar. Uh, right, let's let's go through this then, because I think... What a lot of Scunthorpe fans probably forget is that before you signed for us, initially you came to us on loan for, at first, so that was from Leeds. Uh, you were in and around the Leeds squad at the time, you were playing a part in the pre-season. So what was said to you from Leeds when you were loaned out initially? Um, yeah, it was. I've done a, I've done the pre-season with the first team. Uh, Kevin Blackwell had just took charge and his assistant Sam Ellis, uh, big Sam, and um, I've done really well and we played a couple of friendlies uh, in pre-season and one particular one against Darlington where I scored two goals. And after the the next day he called me in and I thought, oh God, I must have done something bad in the game or something, he must be having a go at me. And he said, uh, we've had a few calls about you and uh, we've decided you're going to uh, Scunthorpe uh, on loan for uh, an initial three months. Uh, he was like, uh, enjoy it, make the most of it, and and uh, come back here uh, ready to play first team. And I was just like, okay, he goes, oh, here's uh, Peter Beagree's number, call him. He'll pick you up tomorrow, uh, and uh, he'll arrive on Saturday morning for the Rochdale game, which was uh, the first game of the season. So I gave Peter Beagree a call, which was a bit surreal, and uh, he picked me up and drove me, as he did for the next two years, to, uh, to Glanford Park. Because uh, Toppy was injured at the time, you started to get a run in, in the side alongside Paul Hayes. How was that? And, and did Hayes help you through it, considering being kind of in a similar position before when he came in from from Norwich? Oh, if I'm if I'm being totally honest, I didn't I didn't really have a clue about lower league football then. I was I was in the Leeds uh, academy from when they were in the Champions League, so it was a big eye opener. And I and I turned up. I didn't know the players, and you know arrogance of a young player you probably was thinking I was thinking oh, I'm a lot better than these what am I doing here but I'm learning and and then as training went on and the games went on you seen to see the quality that was around you and and Hazy was definitely one that stood out he uh, he had a hunger about him to do well uh, to to make a name for himself and and that season he uh, he really uh, excelled and uh, and and got the rewards with the goals he scored you mentioned that Beagree was taking you across from Leeds. Was he quite an important figure then when you were getting settled in initially? Yeah, he was brilliant. He um, he was he was like my mentor, still is my mentor. I chat to him uh, every week. Um, he he was fantastic. Him and Kevin Sharp at the time, we all came in together. Uh, and you know, it's it's a lot to be said about learning all, off an old head and the experiences they've been through and the the highest level he's played at and you know it was fantastic he used to give me a lot of advice and and especially when things weren't going so well he was always there to, to pick me up and uh, keep me going and driving me forward you mentioned there that you made your debut against uh, Rochdale and you got a little bit of a run in the side and then it was October time you were recalled by Leeds because of injuries um, how did you feel because obviously you you had your professional debut. Um, you were obviously playing games for us, but then you got a start for Leeds. So that must have been kind of a a good feeling as well. Yeah, it was good. Um, to be honest, at the time um, I'd been dropped out of the team because Torps had come back. I was only an eighteen-year-old, so I didn't actually want to be there. I wanted to go back to Leeds because um, I I was thinking, well, why am I here if I'm not playing? Um, and Torps has come back but you know now that an older head on me I can understand you know the reasoning behind it and uh, so to get called back you know it was, a bit, it was a bit of a relief and and then to make my debut for Leeds was, was obviously nice but it was it was another I was just filling in for injuries again 
and as an 18 year old you have to accept these things but um I was quite uh, driven to succeed in in football so it was hard to accept uh, although it was nice to to fulfill that debut um it was frustrating at the same time to to be back in the reserves did you think that there was was there a discussion about going back to Scunthorpe at that point or did you think you were sort of like done with the iron no I didn't want to go back if I'm being totally honest I had I didn't want to go back and not play uh, I only wanted to play uh, at the time I I was obviously uh, annoyed at not playing but um, as I said as an older head you can understand the experience that Torps brings and and Hazy uh, on a goal on a golden run and and you know it was the right thing for the team um, but you know being a, a selfish 18 year old as a lot of footballers are these days um, I was uh I didn't really see it like that. So I had no interest in going back to Scunthorpe at that moment in time. Well, then, of course, in the January, you get loaned out to Bury. So having having said what you've just said there, that must have been quite a, a good move then for you because presumably you were, gonna, you were thinking you were going to be getting first-team football there. Yeah, it was fantastic. So, um, again, same type of scenario, sent to Bury. I only, I only went and I only played four games in the end. I think I scored two goals. But... Uh, had some good games and and one of those games was against uh, Scunny where I ended up scoring. So, you know, that, that was on my mind straight away that I wanted to perform well uh, and to score a goal. And, and after that game, I think, where the uh, the the motion started from Lawsy as to um, uh, trying to sign me permanently. How did that come about considering... You'd already said you didn't really want to be at the club because you weren't getting a chance. Did Lawsy then kind of promise you more first-team football if you did join? Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I was an 18-year-old. Now, I didn't tell them I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, this was me in my own head. I was just thinking, yeah, I don't want to go there. I'm not playing. Well, after that uh, after that game, uh, or a couple of games later, I don't know, it was around early February, I got called, uh, called back to Leeds. Uh, again, I was thinking, why are you calling me back? I'm just getting going here, Barry. I want to keep playing. And uh, Kevin Blackwell pulled me into his office and he was he was like, right, I've called you back. And I'm like, okay, why? He goes, Scunny have made a bid for you. Uh, they want to buy you and I've accepted it. And I was like a bit blown back. I was like, I thought I was part of the uh, the bigger picture here. And he was like, this was the time, obviously, the turmoil was happening at Leeds, going from, uh, obviously, Premier League down to Championship and losing all the money and craziness going around the club. And he's gone, it's 50 grand, and I need that 50 grand to uh, to bring uh, an experienced player in to, to help us uh, get promoted. And, there, and I was thinking, God, I thought you'd need the young players to, to keep the club going. So it was like, I've made my decision, so it's up to you. Uh, there you go. And he just said, see you later. I was like, okay. So I've gone home, uh, thinking, God, my career's over. I'm going down to League Two. No one wants me. Uh, but then after good conversations with my family and, and people close to me, you know, just use it as a stepping stone. Use it as an opportunity to show what you can do. Show every week in, in men's football what you're about. I eventually just said, do you know what? Let's do it. Scunny, uh, I like the the lads are great in the team, all good people, um, and I had a lot of respect for Lawsy. I liked him as a person and as a coach, uh, and I just went for it from there. So that was uh, that was my, me uh, getting to Scunny. Did uh, did Lawsy have to do do any convincing to get you across to the club at all? Obviously, you were a little unsure when you before, as you said earlier. So I just wondered if he had to kind of convince you to come over, or it was just a, it was kind of the advice of your friends and family that that said, you know, it's a stepping stone. It's a good move at this time. No, he didn't have to convince me. The the fifty grand convinced me. You know, fifty grand for Scunny at the time was a lot of money. Um, you know, they're not just going to they can't afford to just throw that type of money around uh, for just uh, anyone or a squad player or whatever. So that convinced me that I was part of the the plan. Uh, in my own head no one told me that well I could work that out for myself um, so that was enough for me to decide um, right that they want to give me a chance uh, and I want to take a chance on them 
Uh, I, I love the setup. I love the stadium. I love the fans, the players. I loved it all. There was nothing. There was nothing bad. I had to I had to say about the place. The only thing that was in my in the back of my head was not playing from before. But that's when I had the security of being a Leeds player and thinking I was bigger than I was, like a ignorant eighteen year old. But um, when I really got my head around it and thought about where I wanted to go and how I wanted to showcase myself, uh, it was a perfect. It was the perfect uh, storm, really, joining there. You mentioned those those players, and we did have uh, quite a, quite a lot of really good names in that side. You did Crosby, Barraclough, Hayes, Torpy. Uh, just talk us through some of those. What were your relationships like with them, and and your squad going going into the squad at that time? Yeah, it was fun. well. Funny you say. Uh, obviously, you had the experience heads there, like you said, Crosser, Torps, Barra. I remember on my debut against Rochdale, I come on for the last fifteen or twenty. And I was buzzing, just like buzzing about the place. Didn't have a clue about men's football. I only used to youth team and reserve games and and trying to score as many goals as I could or look good on the ball or whatever. And there was a ball played over the top and I was burned down the right wing. And I can hear Barra and Crosser going, run it to the corner, run it to the corner. And I was thinking, I was looking up to my left. I could see Sparrow in the middle free for a tap in. I was thinking, oh, what's the, what are you telling me to run to the corner for? So the, anyway, I've crossed it and Sparrow scored and anyway, we finished winning 3-1 and um, they've all run to me going, we've told you to run to the corner and that's when I first time I really thought, oh, this is what men's football is about. It's all, <laughs> it's not about looking good, it's about winning and um, and, and winning is any way you can. And that's what they brought to me, Crosser, Barrett, Torps, uh, Paul Musselboy, really about men's football and and performing like a man and, and winning the right way. First and foremost, before anything, they were just good human beings. They uh, they looked after the, the everyone, but they looked after me as a young lad. Uh, always had time for me, always had uh, advice. Uh, I got on really well with them all, Barra especially. We uh, we, we clicked well. He was, uh, he, was, he was a great person. And uh, obviously you got Peter Beagre in there who who again looked after me like his own son. So um, I had, we had a, we had a great, a great dressing room with a, a great mix of uh, experience, uh, middle-aged and youth. It was fantastic. So would you say then that your mentality really changed then in that early period at Scunthorpe then? It had to. It had to because um, I dropped to League Two and no disrespect to League Two, I didn't grow up wanting to play in League Two. So it was my mentality had to change. I couldn't be this free-spirited 18-year-old anymore. I had to be dedicated, head down, focused to achieve what I wanted, which is ultimately playing in the Premier League. Ultimately, we uh, we win promotion to League One in this season, don't we? So you know, what was the atmosphere like after that? And it must have been quite an experience going from you know playing in Leeds to coming down to League Two, and then actually seeing you know. The, the kind of the team spirit that was there to, to bring us through and, and get promotion really, you know, what, how did you feel about that at the time? Yeah, it was my, as an 18 year old, it was my first promotion. I, I was thinking, this is great. I uh, got that one on the CV already. Uh, even though I was more of a bit part player that year, uh, I contributed with a few goals and a, and a few decent performances, but it was, um, it was just great to be part of it. And to, to my first understanding of, of what it means, you know, players are, are getting more money when, now that they're promoted. They're getting opportunity to move to bigger teams. Maybe you could really see what it meant to people. Um, it was uh, it was a real eye opener, but it was a fantastic experience. And, and for it to happen so young, uh, it was a blessing to uh, to give me that grounding and that understanding for the the future. It was obviously that summer that Billy Sharp came into the club. Um, you were both a similar age. Had you played against him prior in kind of youth football, or um, did you know about him beforehand? Yeah, yeah, I played again. We played against each other in the quarterfinals of the the cup, the youth cup. We won three two. I remember him though, constantly and barking and annoying people on the pitch. I was thinking, who's this little annoying little thing up front? He said, shut up. But uh, I knew straight away he was uh, he was a good player, and and when I knew we were signing him, I was I was very happy. Uh, let's go on. Let's carry on with the sharp then. And like you say, you get that that partnership, and it, it clicks almost instantly. I think the 
first time that maybe we really sort of see that is the Hartley Paul away game. I think you both score in that game. Uh, can you remember that? Can you talk us through that game if you can? Yeah, uh, Hartley Paul away. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good day, nice and sunny. Yeah, we just clicked. We just clicked straight away. We're just same age, same interests. Uh, got on really well. Um, Hartley Pool away. Yeah, we setting each other up. Great celebrations. Uh, it's just. It was just a great partnership. He's a he's a joy to play with. He was. Um, he's a, and people think that Billy's actually really. He's all about the goals and he's he's selfish, but he's not. He's a team player. He doesn't care if he scores or or if I score or someone else scores. He just wants to win, and that's what I liked about him the most. He was a winner. He was the same mentality as me. And if you actually look at a lot of my goals for Scunny as well, he set up a lot of my goals. As well, people always say that I did the work for him and. And he set and I and he uh, and I set him up all the time. But it was uh, it was we complimented each other and we did we did the same amount of work for each other. It's just that uh, you know some people look different on the pitch, so people might say that I'm look I look more active. But he was very active and he was very proactive in the box, better than me, that's for sure. You've sort of touched on it there as well. Your relationship off the field. Do you think that helped on the pitch as well that you were so really good mates off it? Yeah, definitely. We used to. We used to room together, knock about together, um, play PlayStation together, talk about football, about who we're playing on the weekend. We had the same mentality. We both wanted to to succeed at Scunthorpe and help the, the club become better, but we also wanted to to move to bigger teams and 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 pursue our career in that way. Um, so it was it was just um it was just a, a good relationship all around but we we were it wasn't just us two we had a relationship with everyone everyone there there was no uh, no bad blood between anyone uh we'd kick lumps off each other in the on the training pitch when mr wharton converted one of his buildings into uh, the indoor facility that we called it the shed and in there everyone on the team you'd think that we all hated each other the way we played in there but um you know, the minute we walked off the training pitch or off the, the, the match day, it was just uh, one group that was together. You mentioned those other players, and I think when Scunthorpe fans think back to that time, they do think about your partnership, but you've, you've alluded to it there. How important were some of the other players in the squad in, in terms of getting that partnership to the level where it was at? I think, you know, we've, we've listed some players like Taylor and Sparrow and Beagre. It seems like they, they were all very, very key into making, you know, helping you two become what you were. Yeah. The whole team, well, even even the the people, the the admin in the in the club, they they you know everyone was fantastic to us. They treated us like sons, and nothing was a problem. Uh, everyone went out of their way to help us to help us progress. You know, it was probably a two way thing. They knew that they they had something good with us, so they could they wanted to look after us. But uh, the way they did it was. Uh, you know, it was just genuine and uh, and loving, and and um, that's what helped us progress. That's what Scunthorpe is. It's a, it's an unbelievable family club uh, with unbelievable people behind the scenes, not just uh, good players or uh, good uh, coaching staff. It's just got great people, great fans, uh, caring people, and 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 when and when you feel that uh, and the warmth you receive. Uh, you know, it, it gives you a great opportunity to succeed in football because uh, everything else seems less stressful then. As soon as you started, you know, playing regularly with Sharpie, the goals started to come, didn't they? We had some really good wins that season, including, a, you know, a, a 4-1 away win against Huddersfield. I remember going to that game, actually. I think I sat work off to go and see it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, at that point, did, did the players, you know, did you feel that you could really challenge in League One? Because obviously, you know, it was, it was really happening at the time. Yeah, well... We... <laughs> I, to be honest, like we never really thought about coming challenge in League One or whatever. All we wanted to do was go out on that pitch and enhance our reputation. That's all we were interested in. We, and we knew that by winning and scoring and and being mature, we we would do that. And and every game we felt like you know you say the Huddersfield game. Yeah, we we had a fantastic game that day. We scored goals. We we played well. We ended up we were top of the table. Well, that, every game was the same. We just wanted to go out and enhance our reputation. Not just me and Sharpie, like everyone, everyone on the pitch, even even the older guys that were coming towards the end of their end of their career. Um, that's that was the mentality in the change room of just of being winners, uh, being 
consistently good every week, not once every month. And uh, and and that stemmed from Monday through to the match day and and so on. It was a, it was a really good place to learn and to develop. During that season, we did the double over Nottingham Forest. How much did that mean to Larsy, given his connections with Forest, and obviously he spent quite a bit of his career there? He was ecstatic. He, I've never seen him like it. He was loving it. I remember, um, I remember when we beat them one nil. Sharpie scored that lovely turn, left foot finish, and he was—you could just see his chest pumped out on the sideline, beaming with pride. He loved it. That was his biggest game, bar none. He that was his his must-win game, the Forest, and the fact that every time we played them, we ended up doing something magical. <laughs> I think uh, will we'll give him uh, memories for a lifetime. He loved it. He uh, he was like a proud dad in the change room every time, uh, every time we, we played well and beat them. So it was uh, it was great to see, and it was good for us to give back to him as well because he gave a lot to us. Uh, He's a great person and a, and, a, and a very good, a very good manager. Very, uh, that's what you could say, a bit old school. Uh, but he, he was good with the old psychology and getting the best out of you, that's for sure. I want to go on to another game this uh, this season because it's another big one. I think a significant one for you. And that's, of course, in the FA Cup. It's Manchester City. And uh, it's it's not the, the side that we know them now, but it is still a really strong side. And obviously you put us you put us one nil up and it's against David James, isn't it? And he was playing for England at the time. And we were one nil up at half time. I remember this game quite well. What what was that like? Yeah, it was we we were on fire that first half. We should have gone two nil we should have gone in two nil up. Um Sharpie, I think, missed a sitter, unlike him. Um but yeah, that was that was that was that was real uh, eye opener for us, and especially like I can vividly remember me and Sharpie having a really good first half, and I was thinking, well, we, we we we're ready, we're ready to go to the next level. We can do this. We've obviously got our contracts and we've got our commitments here, but this is this is when we thought, yeah, we're ready to go up to this next level, and. Um, and that I, I I actually genuinely think after that game is when uh, the the influx of scouts started coming to to watch us. Um, we had a lot of a lot of contact then, a lot of a lot of calls and a lot of people starting to call. I know Stuart Pierce came after that game three times to watch us both. Um, so yeah, really kicked off. That game kicked off. I think that you know people had heard about the two of us and what we were doing, and then after that, I think people stood up and took a little bit more notice. So you said, you know, obviously you've got, you've got scouts coming in at the time. I think that you scored 15 goals that season. Sharpie gets 24. So obviously he's starting to, to turn heads. Did, did that affect the way that you approached the game then moving forward, knowing that you were going to get a lot of high profile people coming to watch you play? Not at all. We want, we wanted it. We wanted more. The two, as I said, the two of us were so driven to succeed at, at the highest level we could, our, our ability would allow us. And um, we loved it. And 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 the whole team loved it. The the team loved the attention. The and and it gave other players an opportunity to to impress off uh, off their own back as well. Uh, it, and and we were we were flying high and and then we were we went going into the next season flying high again. And yeah, it was just it was just it was just business as usual, but with with that like butterfly feeling of something good could come of this, you know. Keep keep consistent. Keep on top of your game. Don't be stupid, and and you can reap the rewards. We'll go into that next season then, as you've mentioned it there. And what were the goals of the club that summer? Because you mentioned the previous season, it was not really whether we could challenge, um, but things were starting to come together nicely. Did the did that shift in that summer to think, yeah, you know, we could maybe do this? Well, I think we we steadied the shift, didn't we? In League One, okay, we we didn't have a, a fantastic season league position wise but we probably had a fantastic season in terms of the transition of the squad and the the youthful players coming through like me billy marcus williams um we added them with ian morris um you know so i think it was more it was a successful season the one before was in we have uh, the good young players that are now settled in the team and are proven in the league. So 
obviously our ambition then with that season was to to go one one better and 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 win the league, which it wasn't said out loud, but you just had that sense that um, you know that's what everyone was was searching for. You talk about that sort of being the unsaid rule, uh, the unsaid ambition of the season, but then was it a little bit? concerning given the start because we didn't actually register a league win until mid-September why do you think that was um nah we we were just we, we knew what we were capable of um I, remember, I do remember that Bristol City game to start with and we lost one in and we'd hyped that up for ourselves so much me and Billy because it was the start of the season and I remember Sparrow hyping it up as well and and to lose one nil on the opening day was a bit of a you know a, a tough one to take but you know, Lawsy sorted us out and we got back into the, the train and swing of things. And then, yeah, like you say, we registered our first win uh, in mid-September and we didn't look back from there. Yeah, we, we get into October and, of course, we, we play Forest away at the City to Grand, don't we? We beat them 4-0. Uh, I went to that as well. That's probably one of the best away performances I've seen from mm-hmm. a Scunthorpe team. And that must have been a pretty big one from Brian as well with his uh, with his kind of connection with, with Notts Forest. You, uh, you get a goal, you know, talk us through that a little bit. What was that like? Because it was a really good atmosphere. I remember it well. Yeah, <laughs> so we that, that game was that, because it was alive on Sky now. So you don't get many live games on Sky when you're in League One. You might get one, two if you're lucky a season. So for us, as obviously young lads and a team that wants to impress, being on Sky was like the be-all and end-all. It's where everyone's watching, everyone can see. So we bigged it up that week, and and so we'd uh, and we'd actually organised a little night out as well after the uh, the game that like Lawsy didn't know about. It just it was like four, five or six of us. So um, we were thinking. This, it's an early kickoff live on Sky. We have to play well. We have to do well. And um, if we don't, we can't go out. We can't enjoy ourselves. So I think we we sort of we, we set the, the the bar high for ourselves straight away. And we we were we were up for that game like I, I haven't seen any other game before. And then then obviously Cleveland kicks it off with a a lovely finish. And then two nil, three nil, and then Billy rounds it off with a. Rolling Wes Morgan and banging one in four in, and we were just wow! I can't believe what's going on here. So we're actually all celebrating with the fans uh, in the, in that second half, and all I can hear is Sparrow saying, "Hey, we're going out tonight! We're going out tonight!" <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, no, it was it was brilliant. It was a brilliant um, a brilliant day, and and Lulzy was uh, again beaming like a, a proud dad in there um, in the change room, and that's the day I think people really thought, OK, these boys are uh, serious contenders this season. You mentioned Lawsy, and it wasn't long before he obviously left um, the club. Did you think that may derail the promotion push, or were you confident that we could still carry on because of the players we had at the club? Um, yeah, well, I was I was confident. Um, he'd set us up in a way where nothing needed to change, really. You know, the only issue would have been injury or, or people leaving, but... Um, uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't worried about that at all. Uh, he'd done a great job and, you know, he deserved his, you know, he's a manager that had ambition as well. You know, Chef Wednesday is a, a massive club and you can't uh, begrudge someone uh, success like that because he, he earned it. And, you know, it was disappointing because I, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed working under him. But, you know, you, you have to accept this in football and, and people trying to better themselves and, he he deserved that, but that's not to say personally I wasn't annoyed because I know that they'd stopped me from leaving before and telling me to stay and do this and that. And Lawsy was convincing me, and then for him to jump ship when he did in November or whatever it was, I was thinking, well, you've made me stay, so why aren't you staying? But now as a, a more experienced person and. Uh, understanding the game more I can understand why but at the time that that was a few thoughts like that in my head and then of course Nigel Atkins takes over and was that a bit of a surprise to the players that it was him were you expecting somebody else to come in or were you was that something that was expected no I didn't have a clue about that Um, I just turned up one day and they said Nigel's in charge and I was like what I didn't again I was I was ignorant to his background knowledge was a fantastic first and foremost a fantastic 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. In person. On day one I came, he was uh he was so so good to me, looked after me. Um fantastic man. Um but I didn't know about his background. I didn't know about his his playing. I didn't I didn't know much. So when I was told that, and then obviously I learned after. But it was a shock to me. Um, it was Billy that told me because he was driving in with Barra, and he Billy rang me going, "You'll never guess what." And I was like, "What?" Nige, Barra, and Cross are the, are in charge now. I was like, "What?" <laughs> it was only two months ago. Me, you, and Barra were in uh, Passion. I beat them till four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> now he's 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 in charge, and um, uh, it was like yeah. So I was like I was very surprised, but um, but it didn't really bother me because I knew I had my own my own goals and my own my my own agenda uh, as to speak, uh, and the, and we had our own agenda as a team to 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 win the league. So I suppose it was it was probably a blessing because if sometimes when you get new managers or people that aren't in the circle. You know, they could come in and just say, right, right, we don't fancy you, we don't fancy you, oh, I'm going to play him, and I'm going to bring someone else in. And they could have they could have disrupted things. So it was a, it was a clever clever move from the chairman. And uh, obviously, Lawsy had it had teed up, and uh, and it was, you know, left, left us in a, a strong position and uh, easy to go forward. How was that then, the, the kind of the first day in training under Nige? You know, how did he approach it, and what were the differences between him and Laws and, and was it easy to see Nigel's kind of legendary positivity from the start? It was easy to see from even when you were in the physio room. He was uh, he was great. Um, yeah, when he started, he was starting, wasn't he? So he was probably a bit nervous himself and getting going, and it was all new to him. And but like you know, when you're a good human, it you know things work out for you, and that's what he was. And his positivity was great and. He gave us a lot of uh, free reign and to express ourselves and and to develop develop through game time. So he was he was great, uh, you know. But I was I was coming to a stage where I I knew my contract was coming down and I, I was I was I was desperate to to learn to keep learning to improve to to train at better places and you know when I when I, when Nige came in. As fantastic as he was, I was at a stage where, you know, I wanted to move on from him. If that if that makes sense, I wanted to move on from, uh, you know, I felt at the time, Nige taking over was a step back from Lawsy managing me, even though uh, we, we we I was still playing and we went on. It was like I wanted to. I was like in my head, like that sort of that sort of made my mind up as to what I was going to do in January. To be honest, you mentioned January there, and obviously. You mentioned prior to that, uh, previous in the interview, that there were clubs in for you in, maybe in the summer. Um, who were those clubs and how did Lawsic try and convince you to stay at that point? Um, and then was your mind made up that you were going to go in the January? So I'd gone, um, I'd gone to Dubai on holiday and I met uh, Lawsic there. And, B- and Peter Beagrie was there as well, a scunny reunion on holiday. And um, that, uh, after that first season in League One and... Um, he knew this, so there was Stoke, Man City, Sunderland, and Charlton. They'd all come in for me. And so Lawsy pulled me on holiday and he was like, listen, just give me one more season. You know, we're going to offer you a new contract because I only had a year. I only had a year left. You know, we're going to offer you a new contract. Um, 
you know, uh, when when you get back from holiday, it'll be ready for you to look at. Uh, you know, you're part of the the future here. We want to get to the championship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, I owed a lot to him because he bought me, and he he didn't play me a lot to start with, but then he initially played me when I showed him. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a person that if someone does something for me, I'm 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 always grateful to them and sort of in their debt. So, you know, I'll always try to do good by them. So, so I stayed. But then he left, obviously, as I said, in, in the to Chef Wednesday. So that's when I thought, right now, I I, I stayed. And I, w- I probably would have stayed if Lawsy stayed to complete the journey with him. He didn't have to convince me too much because I, I enjoyed playing for him and I enjoyed the team and playing with Sharpie. And I knew that playing with Sharpie would enhance my reputation another season. So that's sort of how we went there. And then we got back and from holiday and he offered me the new deal. And uh, I, I, I value myself a bit more than that now. So I'm going to back myself to keep playing well and we can revisit this at a later stage and he was accepting of that and he said no problem let's let's crack on do we um do we did you have any any firm bid rejected for your services at that point or was it just general interest you know no that was that was they, 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 that was all rejected i don't know what it was and then obviously we just went through to december and come i think on the end of november sort of early december i I think I scored like from the halfway line nearly against Carlisle and there was a couple of uh, uh, then phone calls just after that but that's I made my debut I think for the Ireland B team early December and that's when the Wolves boys were at the game and I got a shout from from one of the the, the staff there about uh, hey you know Mick McCarthy's a big fan of yours do you fancy Wolves and I was like Tell you what, Defo fancy Wolves, Mick McCarthy, size of the club. Uh, and it's sort of, you know, early December is when uh, things started kicking off in terms of uh, big interest in, in my services. Of course, your, uh, your last game for the Irons against Doncaster, isn't it? And I think I, I read uh, an article written by Nigel on a website called The Coach's Voice, and it was quite interesting. And uh, there's a little quote from that, and he, he says that, when he spoke to you before the game, he said, "This well, this is what he said. He said, this is your last game, so go out and get a goal. And, and when you do get your shirt off and run the length of the pitch, and I don't care, I just want you to feel good. And I think he also said that he was quite strict on discipline. So obviously that's a little bit of a change from there. And was, was that a goodbye to the fans? And, you know, it must have been quite a nice moment just to be able to sign off in that way. Yeah, it was. that was my moment with the fans, definitely. Um, I knew I was going. We played on the Saturday. I knew I was going to Wolves on the... Um, on the Monday to do my medical or Tuesday, might have been the Tuesday. Um well yeah, um you know I felt I owed a performance to them that day and uh, to to do that at the, the new the newly opened stadium and against Doncaster where it was a nice way to finish off and to celebrate with them. But um you know that the whole saga had been going on since early December as to what was going on. So it was a bit more it was a bit of a relief as well and you know, uh, it wasn't like a oh, see you later, thanks for nothing. It was more of a you know like genuine. I'm I'm good at to be leaving, but I feel it's right for for my progress in my career right now. Did you get the impression then that I think you probably did? You said this about Lawsy, he left the, the club in a good position. But did you get the feeling when you were leaving in January that this would be a promotion team that season? Oh, I knew I knew it. I knew they were getting promoted. <laughs> I knew we were getting promoted. Um, there was no stopping us. We was we was solid at the back, no nonsense defenders, and and we just had we had that bit up front and on the wing and the the sturdiness in midfield. You know, Cleveland was great. Ian Morris was great. You know, me and Charlie were doing what we did. I knew we were going up. It was you know so it was actually my agent at the time who then when we were going to Wolves, he told me on. I actually drove in to to say goodbye with Jermaine Beckford because he looked after him as well. So that was the that was that that was the that's what got it over the line, the fact that he was bringing Beckford in, who was a bit of a known unknown at the time, but he he had that rawness and he had that pace to uh, to complement Billy. So I knew once he went in, it would he'd he'd take over from me and and the the, the boys would keep going. Um, so it was uh, yeah, there was no no issue there. I was just. Uh, I was just looking forward to the end of the season when I could go celebrate with them as well, even though I wouldn't be there. I think uh, the fans reckoned at the time that the amount we got for you in transfer fees wasn't quite what you were worth. 
how do you kind of react to that? Well, see, it's an interesting one, that now, because this is where the whole uh, story comes from. Because they got 650 with 250 when we got, if we went to the Premier League. So that's 900. So at this stage, I told Scunthorpe, listen, guys, I'm not, um, I'm not signing. I'm not, I'm not going to sign because I've got, a, I'm going to have, I've got too much, you know, the Bosman ruling and the tribunal. I've got, I'll have too many options. And as a, as a footballer, to have options is obviously a fantastic thing because you realise as you get older, the options become smaller and smaller. Um, the money they got, I think, was a fair value at the time, but people might not say it. But if I had a stayed, they would have only ended up getting maybe 150, 200 in a tribunal at the time. So I actually thought in, in my own head at the time that I was doing Scunthorpe a favour in terms of getting them the best bang for their buck uh, and knowing that they'd still get promoted. Um, it was... It was it was a it was a tough scenario, but I, once I set my mind on Wolves and Mick McCarthy because I thought I want to keep playing, so I wouldn't be going to a Premier League team. So if if I wanted to go to a Championship team, who would I want to go to? And for me, Wolves was you're not going to get better than Wolves really as a Championship team. So I didn't want to risk January going past and Wolves then deciding that they're going to sign someone else and then not being there in the summer. So I, as, as soon as, as, as I, I knew I could make it happen, uh, I pushed for it. And I, I must have called Mr. Wharton about 50 times because he rejected everything that was thrown his way. And I kept saying to him, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to sign, you know that. And it's nothing against you or the club. It's just a, a personal preference. And, you know, you're going to get the most money to, to secure your, your finances here and and, and to, to invest in, in other people like me when I was 18. And eventually, you know, he, he agreed to it and, and, and the rest is history. And, you know, he was, a, he was a fantastic man, to be honest. And I can understand where he was coming from. But eventually he, uh, he looked after me and, uh, and we both, you know, went uh, our separate ways uh, uh, as friends still. I think some of the fans at the time had a perception that uh, Steve Wharton was, was maybe a little bit tight, didn't spend much. But perhaps if he has been turning down bids for yourself, maybe that wasn't the case. And it, I think it's it's interesting because, you know, we only see certain things as fans. Um, so that's interesting, given that he's, he's obviously turned down quite a few bids for you. Yeah, no, he, he was he was all about um, the success of Scunthorpe. Um, and he put his hand in his pocket when he had to. Look, he paid... You know, 50 grand, he didn't have to pay that for me when I was 18. I was an unknown. It's a, it's a gamble, but he did it. And Billy, I think he paid more for Billy, 75 maybe. So he, he put his hand, you know, as a League 2 slash League 1 team. He was uh, he was all for the success of Scuntor, but not to the detriment of the club, which was the main thing. You see all these clubs, and even when I was at Leeds at the time, before I came to Scunny. You know, people that don't have a good business brain and, and you know, they let, they let the, the vision of glory uh, get in their way of, of the important things, which is day-to-day finances and the, the longevity of a team. So Mr. Wharton's heart was, uh, was in the right place. He was a great man. Uh, and, you know, he was, he, I would not say he was tight at all because, you know, he, he, paid, he paid me well as an 18-year-old. He paid the others well, like Billy well as an 18-year-old. And... Uh, he, he he gave people what they deserved, uh, and you know, like you said, people don't see a lot of these things. But he looked after the club, uh, and he made sure the club uh, got what they the the best they could get, and to make sure that the club would have longevity and financial stability. So he was a he was a great chairman. We'll come on to Wolves a little bit, actually, because we wanted to ask a few things about that. Now, you've already mentioned Mick McCarthy, but how key was he to getting you to go to that club? And then also, what was it like working with him? Yeah, he's the, you know, Wolves is a massive team, but he was the icing on the cake. Uh, uh, when I grew up watching Ireland, uh, he was the manager um, for a long time of that, World Cup 2002. So he's a bit of an idol of mine, to be honest. Um you know, so so that that really sold Wolves to me right there, and then it was like, right, this is perfect. He's he's an Irish international himself. He knows about my background, where I come from. So that so that so that made that decision pretty easy. And then you know, working for him was then an absolute eye opener. Um, 
I thought Lawsey was intense in the change room and then he took it to a whole new level. Um, but a fantastic man, man manager. Uh, he's a gentleman. But if you cross him, uh, you know, you better get out of the way. Uh, I've seen uh, a lot of things that I probably can't say on here that, that uh, uh, would surprise a lot of people back in the <laughs> outside of the football world. Obviously, you know, you get to Wolves and you experience a promotion with them from the championship to the top flight. Um, you know, that must have been a pretty big moment for you saying earlier that, you know, you really wanted to pr- play in the premiership. Oh, it was fantastic. Because when, when I went to Wolves first in the January, we were 14th. And I ended up having a great, great last four months of the season. We got in the playoffs fifth, in which we lost to West Brom in the Black Country Derby. So I, I genuinely thought we were going up that year, I thought. And then when we didn't, I was absolutely gutted. And I suppose you could have to say we had that second syndrome the next year, the second season syndrome the next uh, the next year where, you know, we, we, we just missed out on the playoffs by one goal difference, which was was tough to take. I had a, a half-decent season. I scored like 13, 14 championships. My first full season in the championship, so it was good. And then the next season came and we, we added some more strength and depth and and uh, yeah, we we ran away with with the championship and 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 getting obviously to the the pinnacle of of English football and and the Premier League was was what I'd envisioned as a 18 year old joining um, Scunthorpe and for it all to come to fruition in the space of four years was 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 unbelievable. One of the uh, one of the proudest moments of my career was uh, getting promoted and. And get into the Premier League. I remember at the time when you left Scunthorpe, and then it was actually into that summer as well. I don't know if this was just paper talk or not, but there was quite a bit of talk of Billy Sharp going with you to Wolves at the time. Was that ever something that was likely to happen? Was was there sort of moves made for that? He was he was there. He was he was it was me and he was about to sign. It was going to be Keo and Sharp again at Wolves, and then bloody Sheffield United come in again, don't they? The only team that Billy can't turn away from. He loves that club so much. And I knew the minute they came in and they just got relegated and they had their parachute payments and they were flinging money at James Beattie and all of a sudden they're flinging at Billy. And I was like, don't do it, mate. Keep, just stay with me. Just just come to Wolves, please. And he was like, oh, I, I can't. You know, it's his family are Mad Blades fans and... He's the Sheffield lad. He loves Sheffield. And I was like, oh, don't go back. Don't go back. And he was like, oh, I don't know. And then he, he rang me and he said, I'm, I'm going to Sheffield United. And to be honest, I was good at Because I knew that Mick McCarthy would move on to someone else and find someone else. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to be as as lethal with whoever he signed. Um, you know, players individually can be good in in certain certain moments. But, you know, to have a partnership is just... Is something different, and to understand someone's game and them as a person, as you know, some people just click, and and we clicked. And uh, you know, I was from a selfish point of view, I was I was raging, but I was happy that he he got a a, a move that that made him happy, and and also to his 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 favorite team in the world. So and and Scunny got a good deal. I think they got two million. So you know, um, it was a it was a good. Good deal all around for everyone, apart from me. <laughs> is is that a relationship that you maintain to this day? Then do you still speak to him a lot? You still really good mates, considering how close you were at Scunthorpe. Yeah, I spoke to him the other week. He's in isolation at home because he can't sit still, so he's going mad. Um, he was a groomsman at my wedding, so yeah, we we're we're really close. We go on holidays together, catch up all the time. I haven't seen him as much since I moved over to this side of the world, but. We're constantly on the um, on the uh, on the phone and on the text and yeah we, we we've maintained that friendship uh, very closely for the last fifteen years fourteen years or whatever it's been so yeah it's it's uh, it's, it's good 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 to see him doing so well now he's he's uh, he deserved uh, everything that's come his way. Uh, you've mentioned them earlier on, but let's let's move away from Wolf. Just talk to us a little bit about uh, your Republic of Ireland career. Then I know you won a, a gold a year at one point. So w- what was that like playing for your country? Oh, the proudest moment of my life, uh, apart from the uh, the kids. Um, it's everything I dreamed 
dreamed of and to, to be able to represent my country on on 30 occasions and be involved in many and more where I didn't even get on it was just it was just amazing and you know I owe a lot of that to Scunthorpe as well because they gave me the the grounding and the opportunity to showcase uh, my skills and to, to move on to a level that would allow me to 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 represent Ireland um, so um, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of things fell in place nicely, but you know, it all stemmed from a fantastic group of people and a club that uh, allowed me to develop and and become uh, a half decent player. And then moving forward a little bit, you had obviously quite a few spells at some championship clubs: Cardiff, Bristol City, Leeds, and Millwall. Uh, but then you obviously took the step to move to Australia. How did that move come about? Yeah, so I'd, I'd wondered, I'd, I'd, the, that first year in the Premier League at Wolves, I'd, I'd been on fire for the first two months and I was buzzing and then one day in training I I just snapped my tendon in my ankle, just out of nowhere, like Michael Mansion was <clears throat> trying to tackle me but he didn't really touch me and so I ended up being in, out for three, four months and Wolves made a few signings and I came back and I couldn't get a look in so I then wandered on loan for a couple of years and I just didn't feel settled or loved like I had done before and eventually I got this opportunity um, after all that um, after my contract at Millwall finished <clears throat> they'd offered me a new deal but I didn't I wasn't enjoying it there and so I rejected it to to see what my options would be and my uncles lived out here and my my mum <clears throat> and dad moved out out here and Someone just was talking to my uncle in the local pub one day and he, he's mentioned who I was and blah, blah, blah. And that person happened to be uh, the right-hand man of the chairman here and they got in touch and sent out an offer. It took a couple of weeks and I decided, you know what, I've had enough of wandering around the championship. I've, I've played in all the levels now in England. I've scored in all the levels and I've represented my country. You know, I'm, I'm pretty pretty happy Let let's go for an adventure and see what where it takes us and you know I came here and I had an amazing five seasons uh, with Perth Glory and uh, won titles and set goal scoring records and you know uh, you know, had a, an amazing amazing time it was, a, it was a great decision in the end you talk about seeing where it would lead you and one of the things that you have done is coaching for a little bit at Englewood United I, was that something that you enjoyed when you sort of made that move into coaching for the time you were there yeah so my coaching journey began back when Trapattoni took over at Ireland and I was I was watching him and I just loved everything about him he's the by far <coughs> the best manager as a whole I've ever had there was an opportunity to 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 start uh, the B license, and I thought, okay, let's go. I was 24, 25, and I just had I, I made a a little pact with myself that I I'd complete all my badges by the time I was 35, so I could I could roll into whatever I wanted to do with a, a good football and resume and all the qualifications needed. So it started there and did the A license, and then there was this opportunity. Uh, for a semi-professional team in in Perth, where it's one league below the A League. Now it's they get paid like some get paid five, six, seven hundred dollars a game. So it's some good players, some maybe old ex youth team players that might not have made it, like that have come to start a life out in Australia playing the league. My brother was playing there at the time, and I went down did a bit of coaching just to keep on top of my A, a license. And after a bit, they offered me the job. They just enjoyed what I was doing and. Yeah, I did that. Uh, I did that for two years, and we we came second and third in the league. Lost out on goal difference on the last day um, to win the league. So it was something that I was really enjoying and I'm passionate about. So you know, during that time, I applied for my pro license to get that going, and uh, it's something I'm I'm going to pursue now when I when I I finish playing. Definitely. There's, there's been some rumours in the recent years that Scunthorpe were actually looking to re-sign you since you'd left the club. Is, is there any Was there any kind of substance to those rumours? No, not that I heard of. Never. Maybe they did, but maybe my agent didn't bring it to me because he might have thought I wouldn't 
wouldn't be having it. But <clears throat> I never, I never had contact with anyone from Scunthorpe. But um, it would have been something I, I would definitely have considered. But you know, at the time, um, it probably would have been difficult to go back uh, and play there because I've been playing Championship. I was in the Championship. I was at Millwall and. I was earning a, a very a very good wage, so you know, as I said, football's a, a a short career, so you you gotta, you know, make make sure you look after your family if possible. So it would have been a difficult one, but it would have been something I would have I would have definitely given thought to. In 2012, you did return, and it was for the Cliffburns testimonial game or benefit game. You did return to Glanford Park in 2012 for Cliffburns testimonial. How was your relationship with Cliff during your time at the club? Yeah, Cliffy, great guy. Another one that looked after me. Old head on a young shoulders at the time. He's always very mature, very, very... He, I learned a lot of him, actually. I learned about a lot of discipline and about how to focus on achieving what you want. He was, um, he was a great lad. Uh, I, had, I had a lot of time for him and he had a lot of time for me uh, to, to, to help and give me advice. Um, he was uh, uh, a great, great stalwart and... You know, there's no way I would have missed his testimonial because he deserved that the the service he gave to the the club and and what he did for me personally. Yeah, he deserved everything he got, and it was fantastic to see him go on and achieve more promotions and score goals that big goals that helped Scunthorpe achieve what they needed. And um, and now it's great to see him. You know, I talked to him about coaching, and you know, it's, it's great to see him doing well uh, in the coaching world and. And helping uh, whole city uh, transition from selling their best players now to to you know moving back up the ladder and and uh, achieving what a, a team like Hull can achieve. So as you sort of probably get the impression, we're, we're drawing towards the end. We're just doing a few general ones. Uh, do you have a, a favourite Scunthorpe moment from your time there? Um, Two 0 win at home to Doncaster. Uh, me and Billy scored. And we just, we just, because before that, Doncaster were always viewed as better than us. But we just knew that we were better than them then, and we were, we were gonna, we were gonna outshoot them that year. And it was, it was just a good day. And I think that was September, just before the Forest game. And yeah, that was, that was when I thought, yeah, right, this is, this is the moment. The fans now know that we're better than Doncaster. They know that you know Donny are looking at us and and wishing wishing they were us. So that you know on the pitch that was definitely my favourite moment. What, what about your favourite goal for the club? Um, my first goal, my first ever league goal. Bigri Walson down the wing and I get a six yard tap in against Cheltenham away. Uh, that's what set me up with my career, uh, and it's my favourite goal because. Um, I felt like I was a professional footballer then. I felt like I was I wasn't a youth team player, a reserve team player, I was a professional. And Scunny gave me that chance and and um I'm forever grateful. Uh, the first goal for me is is the most important. wherever you are and and that was my first ever in professional football, so it's it's one that will live long in my memory. <clears throat> Where does the the spell at Scunthorpe ranking your overall career then? I'll rank it as the most important definitely the most important it it, it, it teaches me so much in terms of professional football being a man um being responsible like responsible for your teammates responsible for performing for them because of you know win bonuses and and promotion bonuses and wages uh, going up in promotion you know, all these things are important to league two league one players so yeah, I put it as the most important as my development in terms of of really understanding football. And to be honest, it's probably my most enjoyable as well. If I'm being totally honest, I was carefree. I had no stress. I don't even think I had a phone bill. I was just turning up. Beegs was bringing me in. I was just showing people what I could do with the ball, and it was amazing. Um, and I truly, truly think you know. The less stress you have in your life, the better you perform, and that's uh, that's something I definitely live by now and will live by with my coaching. The less stress people have, and the more you can help to to alleviate that, uh, you just get more more out of them, and 
and, uh, and better better performances all around on and off the pitch. And I think that's probably a nice place to end. Andy, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Ah, no problem. Uh, anytime. Uh, and thank everybody for listening to this. Again, we appreciate it as ever. Uh, like, share, subscribe, retweet, and we'll be back for another In Conversation very soon. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 